she's like, are you effing crazy? And I said, do you really have to ask that? And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, I forgot who I was talking to. Dizwins Radio episode 1056 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. y'all today's episode of the show is brought to you by the little things course which is uh something i've talked about at least once or twice if you've been around for a while you've heard me mention it here and there uh the the little things course in case you're unfamiliar with it is uh kind of a a multimedia course ish training info product whatever you want to call it that i put together a few years ago that's completely free uh, but it's got all kinds of information some advice some thoughts some some resources from me and from others related to Areas of our training that we may not always think of as our training, but that definitely have a big impact on the results we see from the miles we log. Things like diet, nutrition, things like sleep, recovery, so like stretching, foam rolling, things like that. Uh, some cross training and why why maybe running a little bit less but still being more active may be, may be helpful for you. So if you're kind of curious on scratching the surface of those things, or maybe you feel like your your progress in running has kind of stalled out a little bit, maybe, maybe a little more focus on the little things might be the, the thing that kickstarts your progress again, gets you off that plateau that you maybe have found yourself on and get back to making progress, moving the needle in the right direction. So if you'd like to check it out for the low, low price of nothing, Head over to disruns.com slash little things, all one word, no spaces, no underscores, no dashes, none of that nonsense. Disruns.com slash little things. Check it out. Uh, and if you don't like it or you don't find anything useful there, it didn't cost you anything. You got what you paid for. If you find one thing that was useful, you got more than your money's worth. So sounds like you can't lose as far as I can tell. Disruns.com slash little things. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you have any questions. And now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, y'all. Uh, my guest today is a lady that likes running long distances. And uh, to be precise, she likes running ridiculously long distances. And uh, later this summer, if uh, if my notes are correct, and I'm sure she'll correct me if I'm wrong as we go, she's uh, planning on running an absurdly ridiculously long distance. Um, and I'm looking forward to talking about that and, and who knows what else today. So without any further ado, it's a, a pleasure to be able to welcome Ms. Rebecca Rame to the show. So uh, thanks for joining us today, Rebecca. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to it. And y'all, if you enjoyed today's conversation, kind of want to follow along uh, with, with Rebecca through this summer and her adventures then, and, and who knows what else is beyond, uh, on Instagram at Rebecca, not Becca, and that's Rebecca with a CCA, which being married to a Rebecca that's not a CCA, you always have to spell those things out, R-E-B-E-C-C-A, not Becca, B-E-C-C-A, uh, on Instagram, on Twitter, at no Estoy Rachel, which I feel like there's got to be a story there. I don't know if we'll get into it or not, but N O E S T O Y 
R-A-C-H-E-L on the Twitters. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 1056. Dizruns.com slash 1056. We'll get you back to the show notes today in case you're trying to spell Rebecca wrong and you're like, I can't find this woman on Twi- on, on Instagram. <laughs> we'll have it for you. Just go right back to Dizruns.com slash 1056. Links, photos, the whole nine as per usual. So, Rebecca, now that we got all the, uh, the, the, the housekeeping stuff out of the way, let's, <laughs> let's dive into the, the conversation today. And the way we always do that is uh, with the same simple question at the beginning that for some people it's an easy one to ask. And for those typically that, that tend to run ridiculously long distances, it's a little <laughs> bit more of a difficult one to answer. Um, but either way, it's a, it's a good place to start the conversation. It usually leads to a whole bunch of topics as we go. And that's to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Um, I think my favorite road distance would be a half marathon. And I love that because it's a nice, good, solid, long run, but you don't feel beat down at the end of it. And you have time and energy the rest of the day to to do everything else that you need to do because it's usually on a weekend. Um, and then for trail, I really love the, the 50K distance. I think it's a nice um, – it's it's a hard distance, but you get to run in usually really really cool locations, and um, I'm I'm all for that. Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely when it comes to to the trails, and I'm not I'm not the uh, certainly not I don't have a, an extensive resume of long distance trail running type of situations, but um, definitely you know a good a good ultra on a trail like you get to see all kinds of of good things. Hopefully, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of fun. And I, I love that you differentiate between road and trail, which, which, you know, you're talking to a trail runner, like, well, you know, for the, for the road, like 13 miles, that's plenty, but then let's, let's go off road and let's like, let's talk 30, 30 miles plus, you know, and, right. and really get into those, those longer distances. Definitely. So, yeah. So, uh, how'd you get, uh, started into the, into the, the world of running Rebecca? Has it been something that's been long part of your life or something that, uh, has come about, you know, semi recently or, or kind of, how'd you get started in the sport? So growing up, I grew up playing tennis and basketball. Those were the sports that um, were really big growing up. So that's what I did Um, as I grew up um, and became an adult and life happens. um, Those things that get harder and harder to do because not only do you have to find um, somebody to play with, but you also have to find a location and I'm in the Pacific Northwest. So, um, the weather isn't always cooperative for things like tennis outside during the spring because it's very rainy and there's very few indoor courts around here that are open to the public. So um, one day I was at the gym and the only machine that was open was a treadmill. Everything else was in use and um, I really didn't want to do anything, but I needed to get some cardio in. So I started on the treadmill. I'm like, okay, I'll just go for about 20 minutes and see see what happens. And as I got moving on the treadmill, I kept speeding it up a little bit. And before I knew it, I ran a mile. And that was the first time I'd run a mile since uh, college, since I played sports then. And um, I was so excited. I came home and told my husband, I'm like, you're never going to believe it. I ran a mile. And that kind of um, kind of jump started something inside myself. And I'm like, you know, maybe I think I could do a 5k but I had to look up how far a 5k was cause I didn't know how far it was. <laughs> and, um, I, because I had not done running growing up. That was not a thing. And, you know, when you're playing sports like tennis or basketball, running was a punishment. You know, you, you miss a shot, you take a lap, you mess up, you take a lap. So it was never something that was pleasurable. But now as an adult, 
um, it's pleasurable and it's, it's my reward now versus a punishment. So that's kind of how it all got started. And then signed up for my first K, 5K, and um, that 5K led to a 10K, which led to a half marathon, which led to where I am now. So um, it was just a, a nice general progression. And that started in about 2016. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's uh, something for, for most of us, for many of us, quite the, the slippery slope of you start getting into it and one thing leads to the other, dot, 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 yada, 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 you know, uh-huh. running, running all the miles and, and going all the places. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always interesting for me to, to kind of find out how people, you know, get, get started. And, and, and I'm certainly, I feel like, you know, somewhat in the same, in the same vein as you, Rebecca, where it was like, yeah, running was always that thing that you, you endured as part of playing other sports. And then at, at some point, um, the, 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 the flip kind of switches and it's like, oh yeah. And, and maybe it is just being an adult and not having to track down, you know, it's nice to have running partners, but like, Hey, if you don't, you can just run and you don't have to find a, a, a location. You don't have to drive anywhere necessarily. You can just out the door, get it done. Um, which, you know, when life gets busy, that's, that's a nice option to have. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, like I love tennis. It's probably one, it's like my favorite sport, but, um, you know, as an adult, it's just really hard to find someone who has the same schedule, who's at your level and is available to play. So, you know, running is something that you can do on your own whenever, wherever, for however long you want to. Um, so that makes it, um, much easier to fit into to life. Yeah, certainly. Um, so you, you know, you, you start, start on the slippery slope of, of running, you know, first mile on the treadmill and then, Hey, let, let's, let's kind of get into this. Um, I, I'm curious about that first mile. If you can, if you can remember back, you know, five, six, I guess six, six ish years ago, depending on, mm-hmm. on the dates and the math and all that type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. that first mile on the treadmill, like, like I, I may, uh, have, have planted my flag, uh, on the show a few <laughs> times about my, my disdain for the treadmill these days. And maybe you're mm-hmm. not much of a treadmill runner these days anyway, but um, I, I just feel like, I don't know that I was ever much of a treadmill runner. I did some <laughs> of it. You know, I, I've, I've run some miles on the treadmill and, and you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But, um, you know, like you kind of led into the question, I guess, with, or the, the answer with, it was the only thing available. Um, mm-hmm. Was it, was it semi in, like, I don't know. What, what was your take on the, on the first run being on the treadmill? Was it kind of okay? Enjoy? I mean, Obviously, the result was positive, but like, right. was it as miserable as, as I feel like treadmill running is for me at this point in my life? Um, I thought it was going to be, but it's actually not. And I own a treadmill. I have one in my house and I use it very regularly. I love I love doing speed workouts on it because it forces you to go a specific speed without <laughs> right. um, yourself slowing yourself down um, like you're forced to do that. Um, but that first I didn't know any different. I mean, the last time I had run was like. 10, 15 plus years before that. So I, I kind of like wiped that out of my brain and the, and that first mile on the treadmill was, it was good. And, um, because I could control the speed and I didn't have anything stopping me that, um, that made it a little easier, I think, to, to keep going. And so, um, the next time that I came to the gym, I went straight to the treadmill. I'm like, I can do this again. I'm going to do this again. And, and I did. And, you know, it started to be a more pleasurable experience. And, you know, you add in things like a podcast or, you know, audiobooks that you can listen to while you're on it. It makes it uh, more enjoyable. Yeah. For At sure. least for mo- some of us, yeah. <laughs> not well, everyone. And, and I mean, you know, quite frankly, like, like just running around the neighborhood, you know, every single day, which is what, what I typically try to do. Like, you know, 
you could make the argument that that's almost as boring as just getting on the treadmill. And so, you know, mm-hmm. same, same rules apply, right? Like have a podcast, have music, have an audio book, whatever to help, help take your mind off of the, the monotony of at least I'm getting different views, but they're the, still the same views every single day. So, you know, yeah, you know, my husband, my husband's the guy who will run the same route every single time. Cause he likes that consistency and he likes to know, like I, if I need to hit this point by this time to stay on my pace, you know, where I'm all like, okay, I'm just going to turn left here. I'll go down a few more blocks. I'll turn right there. Like I have a general idea what direction I'm going to go, but I don't know exactly where I'm going, where I'm going to go. Um, so yeah, so that's, it's very different between my husband and I, how he, he approaches it versus myself. I'm I'm like the, the 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 little bit of both. Like my my mm-hmm. my typical you know daily runs during the week. Like it's the same. It's all like to the point where the dog is on autopilot. Like I probably don't even <laughs> need to have her on the leash. Like she knows we turn right here and we turn left here right. and we go straight through this spot. And but it's like all the streets through our neighborhood. But then on the weekend when I'm gonna venture out of the neighborhood, then it's like I have I have, have a rough idea of how far I want to go and no mm-hmm. idea how I'm gonna get there. And just mm-hmm. you know oh this street I run past this street a thousand times. Maybe today I'll turn down it and, you know, just yeah. adventure, adventure ensues. But anyway, um, you know, as, as is often the case with running, like, like, Hey, you, you make it your own and you do what you, what you do. Um, but, uh, you know, from the time you got started to the time you started running ridiculously long distances, how, how long of a, how long did you, how steep was the slippery slope, I guess, that, that you were uh, on <laughs> as far as getting from the first mile to, you know, the first, maybe even just the first half marathon. Oh, it was, a, it was a pretty steep, steep slope. (laughs) Um, So I started um, my running journey, um, say like January of 2016. And um, following, I would say, probably that same, it had to be that same year. I did my first half marathon in November of 2016. And then January of 2017, my friend tagged me in a post about a podcast called Becoming Ultra. Mm -hmm. And um, he, you know, said, I think you should do this. I think you should apply for this project. And I knew nothing about it. I knew about ultras, but I didn't know. I'm like, that's, that's not, no, <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. Why would I ever want to do that? You know, famous last words, but, um, I applied and, um, the, they event, I got picked eventually. <laughs> um, and then, um, and then that's just kind of how it, you know, the snowball started getting faster and faster and faster. And, and here I am. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was pretty, pretty fast. And so between my first 5K and my first 50 miler was about a year and a half. That's that's a ridiculous. That's a yeah. <laughs> um, for those that, that aren't aware of of becoming ultra and what that what that kind of means, which is probably at least a, a few people. Uh, could you kind of explain what, what that whole process or what, what it was that, that you got tagged into this post to apply for? Like what, what that all entailed? Sure. So Becoming Ultra is um, basically the, the premise is they take runners who've really done more than like 13, 15 miles, um, pair them with professional coaches, and then train them up to run their first ultra. And um, that all happens in about a span of six months give or take, depending on um, the timing of, of everything, but it's pretty much about six months. So I went from a half marathon to a 50 miler in six months, which is ridiculous, but, <laughs> but it's, it, it worked. Um, and every week we, myself and the other runner who was chosen, we would trade off doing podcasts about our training and things that we were experiencing. We'd get advice from our coaches 
and um, just talk about the entire experience because um, running ultras is, even though it's an individual sport, it's definitely a community effort because you get a lot of support from from the people in the community um, throughout your progress. And that was that was really awesome. Had I done it on my own, I don't know that I would necessarily would have had the same experience. So it was it was definitely a a, a huge ramp up, but I I was successful. I finished my first ultra, and and here I am. And here we are. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's. Like you said, it's it's a little bit I don't remember the exact word you said, but like going from you know not running at all you know five k to to fifty miles in a year and a half, and really going from half marathon fitness to to fifty mile finisher in, in six months is pretty crazy. Um, mm-hmm. What what was it that that made you even put your name in the hat? Like I, I feel like for myself, you know, and I, I don't mean to incriminate anybody else, but for myself, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, that sounds awesome, but uh, no, like. 13 miles is pretty good. Like maybe I'll run a marathon first or maybe I'll, you know, if you even knew about ultras at that time, like, well, maybe 50 K, you know, like, like, but to jump right into 50 miles, like to me, I feel like that's, that might, I mean, shoot, I've still not run a 50 miler. I've run like a, you know, I've run a 45 miler. That was maybe close enough. I don't know. But like, like why even say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm running 13 miles. Like, yeah, why not? Let's, let's, let's even, even apply to run a 50 mile. Yeah. Um, I like to joke that I'm easily talked into things. Um, and my friend Ricky, who, um, who's the one who tagged me and it was, and had been following the show for a while cause, um, he worked with Eliza Howard and she was one of the coaches at the time. And, um, he was helping me with my running. So I, he, he knew me and we've been friends for a while and he's like, I think you can do this. And I was on the verge of deciding if I wanted to do a full marathon or not. And, um, I'm like, well, you know, the worst thing they can do is say no. And I wouldn't even be chosen, like wouldn't even be considered. They'd probably filter me out pretty early because I, out of everyone who applied that season, I was the person who had the least amount of experience at being a year of like, like serious running. And, um, you know, I, I was talking with my friend, uh, Nicole, I said, would it be crazy if I did a half marathon and a 50 miler in the same year? And she's like, are you effing crazy? And I said, do you really have to ask that? And she's like, oh yeah, okay. I forgot who I was talking to. Um, but the idea of doing something ridiculous hard and, um, that not a lot of people get the opportunity to do kind of piqued my interest. Mm -hmm. So I put the application in and, um, just waited, um, I actually, I didn't actually get picked the first in the first round. They had picked a different person, but she had dropped out in the first week of the actual training. So they came back to me and asked if I would be interested since I was quote unquote, the runner up. And, um, I said, I, you know, I, I hemmed and hawed a little bit about it. And then, you know, Ricky kind of pushed me. He's like, I, I really think you should do this. If you don't do this, I don't know. I would be your friend anymore. <laughs> you know, kind of just joking <laughs> with me. Um, and I, I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And before I knew it, I was, you know, joining a podcast and ramping up and training for my first 50 miler. Wow. When, uh, when it happened, um, and, and you, you like, you know, you're getting, you're getting this, this, you know, like, Hey, you, you got the opportunity. You sure you want to do it? Was there any, any hasn't, I mean, you're talking to your friends and they're kind of nudging you towards it. And, and it sounds like, I mean, you were pretty interested, but was there, was there ever like a, an, Oh, crap moment or or were you, were you pretty much excited from the get-go 
Um, there was the whole oh crap moment pretty much the whole way through. Um, like it didn't like I I knew what I was doing. I you know obviously out because I was doing it, but um, just trying to fathom myself doing that was just so far out of my thought process. I'm like, oh gosh, am I actually really going to be able to do this? Like, is this really something that's going to happen? Am I going to succeed? Am I going to fail? Like, I don't know. Like, this is just, it's just so weird. Like, and that entire time I'm doing the project, I'm thinking like, if I would have told, you know, 15 year old me that I was doing this, I would have been like, you're nuts. This is not the same person. Like, why would you ever want to do that? That sounds awful. Um, so yeah, there is a little trepidation. There is a little, you know, fear um, about it, but I had to trust the people around me. You know, I, I fully trusted my coach, Liza Howard, um, and I fully trusted her expertise to guide me through this. And I'm so glad that I did it because I want to say it was life-changing, but it, it definitely changed the, the directory of um, of what I think I can do with my body and, um, and with your mind, because ultra running is your, you know, your body can do it. It's your, it's your mind that, that you have to, to get on board with your body. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and keep it on board, which is, which is oftentimes mm-hmm. the, the, the tricky part. Yes. Um, with, without trying to, to completely relive the entire season of becoming ultra, because <laughs> people can go back and listen to it if they're so inclined and find it. We'll try to link it up in the show notes and whatnot to, to try to make it easy. Um, but just, you know, how did that, you know, from a bird's eye view, um, how did that, that six months play out? Was it relatively smooth sailing? Were there a lot of, of peaks and valleys? Uh, you know, kind of how did, how did that transition from half marathon to 50 miler go for you? Um, it went up until like the last month. It went, I would say pretty smooth. I didn't really have any major setbacks or anything like that. But about a month before the race, I started experiencing IT band problems. Um, you know, and that comes from being a newer runner and having this, you know, ramping up pretty quickly to a, a, an ultra training program, you know, just lots of mileage. And I wasn't keeping up with my strength training. So um, that all came together about a month before the race. And I, I was having some major problems with my IT band and um, just experiencing a lot of pain. Luckily, I um, have a friend whose husband is a physical therapist, and he was able to to fit me in between some appointments and and kind of banded me up to to be able to run the race. But um, I, I definitely had some issues towards the end with my body not not being able to handle that load very well. But you know, I I had to I had to keep pushing through and and modify some things as we got closer to the race to to be able to to complete it. I would imagine, and and certainly, you know, correct me where and if I'm wrong, but but I I would imagine that that's that's got to be a pretty valuable lesson to have been able to learn as early in your in your running you know career journey whatever you want to call it as as you did because, um you know we all whatever races we're training for it doesn't matter the distance or or the the goals or whatever but whatever we're training for like. In a perfect world, the plan, the, the training will go pretty smoothly and our bodies will respond well and, and you know, everything is, is sunshine and rainbows and unicorns and we get to the race and it all goes well. Um, in the real world, that doesn't always happen. There's mm-hmm. very rarely happens. And so <laughs> adjusting, adapting, and, and, and I guess where I'm going with this and, and, and again, correct me where I'm wrong or, or feel free to elaborate, having that go a little bit sideways a month before 
a, a big race could could really be a, a, a the type of thing that's like, oh God, I, I don't know if I can do it. But then when you when you get to the race and and you know hopefully the race went well, which is going to be part of the <laughs> next question, um, <laughs> like you're able to see that hey, you know, taking care of my body and even if that means pulling back a little bit, like that's still okay. And I can, I still have, you know, all this fitness that I've built and still able to, to complete the race and, 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 you know, live to, live to tell about it and, and go mm-hmm. on from there. Um, which again, as, as a coach or just as somebody in the running community, it's like so often you see people are like, Oh my God, I missed my long run. Like, what am I going to do? Like, mm-hmm. you're going to be fine. And, and, and I, I just feel like learning that when you did had maybe not in the time wasn't ideal, but with hindsight, that's, that's a pretty valuable lesson. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I hate that it happened because it really did affect race day, but I'm so glad that it happened because it it made me even more aware of my body and when things are starting to go wrong. So even now, um, I'm almost five years past that experience. Um, anytime that I start to feel any type of twinge in my knee area, um, I know I have to stop. I need to pull back. I need to, you know, focus on some exercises to help strengthen my core and my glutes. Um, so I can continue and I don't have to experience that level of pain again. Cause that was, that was just awful. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm, I'm happy that I did experience it because it made me a much better, much smarter runner now because I, I'm so much more aware of, um, of where I am and what I need to do to fix it. And it also helps me when my runner friends are experiencing something similar. I'm like, well, you know, this is what happened to me. Um, This is what I did. This is what made it go away. And um, I can share that advice with others because I don't want anyone else to experience that because anyone who's had IT band pain um, knows that it's just like, it's, it's awful. And it really affects your, um, your training and your performance on race day. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, not that there's any type of pain that you're like, oh yeah, this is the pain that's no big deal, but like, yeah, yeah. IT band pain <laughs> is, is brutal. And, and as with a lot of things in running, can certainly lead to other issues because then you try to compensate a little bit. You try to change mm-hmm. the way you're, you're swinging your leg or the way you, your foot hits the ground or whatever mm-hmm. the case might be. And now, now pretty soon there's whatever, there's plantar fascia issues or there's stress fracture, fracture issues or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's just one thing can lead to the, lead to the next. So, um, like I said, kind of teased this question already, but how did, how did the first 50 miler go? You know, you, training was good until it kind of wasn't, but you get yourself put back together. How was, how was that first ultra experience? That, um, that day was, um, I, I like to say it was a little dramatic, um, and I'm not a very dramatic person. So it was, it was kind of a, an odd experience. So, um, so the race was the Minnesota Minnesota Voyager 50 up in um, Duluth, Minnesota, and um, it was an out and back race. So um, 25 out, 25 back. The I forgot how humid the Midwest can be because <laughs> yes, I live in I live in in Portland, Oregon. We don't have a lot of humidity, very very low humidity, um, and. Minnesota in the Midwest is gets pretty humid in in the summer because it was in July. Um, I struggled a lot with with the humidity and the heat because it was not just you know something I I really trained for because you can't train right. for that when you don't experience it and um, uh, that coupled with um, just just running into that IT band pain that kind of started to flare up during the race. Um, I was like chasing cutoffs 
almost the entire second half of the race. Um, I'm not very fast. I go far, but I don't go very fast. So I was at the back of the pack. Um, Scott from Becoming Ultra was there. My friend Ricky was there as my crew. They were literally like, you know, at each aid station, they were patching me up and pushing me out to to make the the next aid station cut off. And um, there were there were some times when I, I really didn't think I was going to make it. I was I was struggling really hard um, because the physical part was really affecting the mental part. And um, I had never done anything like that. So I didn't quite know how to to work through it until I was there. And then I had to really dig deep, get into that pain cave and um, really, really work hard to to finish Um I came in second to last on the race, but I still finished, which all that matters. Exactly right. My name is on the finishers list. Um, It was just, it was just a really hard day and um, they worked really hard to keep me going, um, which, which kudos to them. I I chose the right people to be there. Um, And it it was just a long day, a long, hard day. And um, I learned I learned a lot from that experience that I can do hard things. Um, it's going to suck in the moment, but this too shall pass. Um, and once you cross that finish line and they are cheering you and you get your award and you just, you're just living in that moment, just, just so happy that you did it and you persevered, you made it. It, it was a big, it, it felt really good. Yeah. Um, despite all of the, the, the very lows during the race. Yeah. No, I, I, I can only imagine. And, and, and I, you know, I kind of to, to just try to put it into my own terms. And, and again, maybe for anybody else who's, who's not run a 50 miler or any type of ultra or whatever, not even run even a, a half or a full or whatever, like those first finish lines, like I can remember my first marathon finish line. It was like misery, but it was like, wow, like I still somehow mm-hmm. did this and, and got it done. And um, for me in that, in that first marathon, I was, I will never do anything this foolish again. And, you know, dot, 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 here we are. Right. Um, what, what about you? When you, when you were getting close and, and it was struggling and you're, and you're fighting these cutoffs or you're chasing the cutoffs and you're staying just ahead and you get to the finish line, um, you know, was, was the, the mental outlook going like, all right, well, I'm glad that's done. I'll, I'll, I'll just get back to my half marathons and that'll be great. Or were you like, oh, hell no. Like, let's, let's, let's keep this going. Um. After the race, um, we did one final podcast with uh, Scott and Liza. Um, <clears throat> you know, they asked me that same question. Like, so do you want to do it again? I said, yeah, I want to do it again. Just just not anytime soon. Um, you know, there's something about being in that that space and the trail community is so incredible. Um, they don't really care that, you know, if you're first or you're last, they're just so excited to see you. Um come across that finish line and that is the 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 really good positive thing that comes out of this is that um I loved being a part of that I loved um I loved that experience even though it was hard and I hated it in the moment um I just like you know I can do this I can do hard things and it was um it was a really good feeling um after maybe the, excuse me, the first couple of weeks after the race, you know, you're kind of running that, that really high, high mm-hmm. mentally, like, oh my God, I did that. That's like so exciting. Everyone's congratulating you. Um, I got a lot of um, love from the 
community from the becoming ultra community like my messages were blowing up i was you know trying to respond to people as they were coming in it was just um it was just really really good high feeling but then once once you kind of move past that and you know your life kind of goes back to a quote unquote normal <clears throat> excuse me that um that you start to experience you know kind of a low and and um, Liza and Ricky kind of warned me about like what they call the black hole after the race, like because you you're running on all these endorphins and your your hormones are all kinds of like out of whack and they're it's all running high and then all of a sudden it just drops off and how that affects you mentally and um, how easily it could be to slip into uh, a black hole like a depressive black hole. They don't really no one really talks to you about that and I'm so glad that they they did because I definitely experienced. Um, some 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 pretty low lows about two three four weeks after the race just trying to kind of get myself back to um to normal and get back to normal life before um that whole experience gotcha i i I, first of all thank you for for being open about that because again i mean it's something that that you don't know until you know until you've been there um, Absolutely, and and it's maybe not always something that that people are quick to talk about with newer runners because you know mm-hmm. let's not kid ourselves like it's not a fun subject of like yeah it was great and then it was really tough. Um, mm-hmm. As much as you're willing, and and we can skip over this and gloss through it if you want, or you can we can spend a few minutes here. Um, sure. How how did you kind of work through that that phase of the the, the blues and the the, the dark mm-hmm. spot there after that first race? Um, I didn't really realize what was happening at at the time, like when it was first starting to happen, but, um, I work in healthcare mm-hmm. and, um, I, I work with people from all different facets of healthcare at the time. And one of the people I was working with was, um, a mental health professional. We were working on a project and we were talking about the whole experience and she's like, well, how are you feeling now? And, you know, I just kind of like, like, just kind of like, you know, vomited feelings and stuff like that to her. I'm like, you know, I'm feeling like really depressed and, and really low. And, um, she's, you know, she listened cause that's what she does. And, um, she's like, you know, it kind of sounds a lot like, um, postpartum depression where you have, um, like these high highs and then you have these low lows. Um, so, you know, first part is recognizing it, it's happening. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that kind of does sound pretty familiar. Um, I'm not a mom. I've never, um, experienced mm-hmm. pregnancy and birth. So, you know, I, I didn't connect the two until she mentioned it. Mm-hmm. And, um, she's like, well, you know, here, here are some things that I coach my, my patients on. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So she gave me some, some tips to, to kind of help bring me, um, to a much better place and reading about it and, um, like you said, not a lot of people talk about it because it's not fun to talk about. It's not exciting to talk about, but um, just recognizing it and finding ways to um, work through it was was a big thing for me. And it took me about six weeks before I really started to feel normal mm-hmm. and wanting to go back out and and run at a uh, higher volume. So it was it was a really really tricky time for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, thank you for, for being willing to go there. Um, yeah. In, in the races that you've run since then, have, have you had similar experiences to, to a degree just as bad, not at all? Like, like how have, how have the, the subsequent ultra distance type of races that you've done um, 
you know, how has the, the post-race par- uh, period been for those? Um, I, I did experience some, not, not nearly to the same degree as, as that first one. Um, after I completed the Bandera 100K, that was my first 100K. Mm. So, you know, 62 miles versus 50. Right. Only um, 50. Only you know, 50. You're talking to an ultra runner when it's only 50, right? I mean, I mean yeah, it's still a big jump because, you know, <laughs> oh, there was, sure. yeah, I was definitely spending a lot more time on the trails. Mm-hmm. And as a slower runner, um, you know, you're out there a very long time. Um, you know, being able to recognize when I was starting to feel that way really, really made a big difference. Um, I still felt that post-race low, but it wasn't nearly as bad. Um, and being able to um, learn, take what I've learned prior and apply it to this, it's made it um, a lot easier to recognize it, um, manage it, and then kind of get, I want to say get through it, but um, move past it until um, you get to a point now where um, I had done my first 100 back in, in October, and I didn't really feel nearly the same drop as I had prior. So um, it's definitely recognizing it and um, and being more open about it. And I try to be open with people about it because, you know, no one else is. And I think that it's really important for people to recognize that it's very normal right. to feel those post-race, especially big races that you've been really working hard for, um, to really experience that and tell them, hey, this might happen and this is what you need to do. So. Um, I try to be really open with people about that. Yeah. And it's, it's something that's come up once or twice, but I'm kind of making a note to myself of like, yeah, don't be afraid to talk about that a little bit more often, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not force it in places, but when it comes up right. or, or mentioning it here and there, because yeah, it is something that um, I, you know, looking back, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've, I've, I know that I've had some of those experiences post race as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it certainly can and, and does happen to a lot of us. Um you know, shifting shifting gears to that that hundred Havelina hundred. Uh, if if yeah. uh, my my research my my crack research squad did <laughs> did their job, which is just me and Google and and ultra sign up and things like that. But uh, the the Havelina hundred miler this past fall, um, you know, stepping up stepping up the mileage again from no longer only just a hundred k, but now we're talking a hundred miles. How did how did uh, the first hundred miler go? Um. Well, surprise, surprise, I finished. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, It went, I think it went as well as I could have expected. I, um, I made sure to choose the right people to come with me to crew and pace me through that race. And I think that made a a big difference had I chosen different people. I don't know. I necessarily would have had the same result and finish. Um, so Havelina is essentially five loops of 20 miles, 20-ish miles, and um, it's it's deceivingly hard because um, it looks you look at the elevation and it's maybe 7,000, 7,500 feet gain for the entire race, which doesn't seem like a lot, but you know when you're tired and you're um, you've been out there for hours and hours and hours, you know it, it gets harder, it gets harder, and um, each loop got harder to want to go back out there and do it because you, you know what to expect. Um, the first two loops were, were fine. The third loop when it started to get to nighttime started to get a lot harder because you know, it's, it's nighttime and you're tired and it's still pretty hot during that, that period. And, um, my, 
the pacer I had with me, her name was Mo. She she worked really hard to to keep me keep me going and keep me on pace. Um, the fourth loop was by far the hardest. Um, that happened between 11 p.m. and 5:30 in the morning. So that time when your body just wants to shut down and go to sleep, and you can't. You have to keep moving for that whole time to be able to make the the first cutoff. Um, Peyton, who is my second pacer during that time, she worked even harder than Mo to keep me to keep me going uh, because I was so exhausted. My hips were hurting, um, and I was just I just was just not not moving well. Um, I was moving enough to keep moving and and stay on pace, but it was so freaking hard. And don't let anyone ever tell you that there is an easy hundred out there. (laughs) There are no easy hundreds. They're all hard in their own respect. But um, once, once we finished that fourth loop and I came in under the cutoff and the sun started to come up, my, my outlook started to look better. I started to feel a lot better and I went out on that last loop with my friend Missy and um, we got across the finish line and it was, it was a really amazing experience coming up and crossing that finish line and, um, and, and being a finisher. Um, last year, Havelina's uh, DNF rate was about 50%. So to be one of the 50% who did finish is, is kind of a big deal. And I'm so glad that I had that experience and I, and I actually did it because it was, it was really, really awesome. awesome. Well, well, congratulations and and getting that that first buckle. But I, you know, I don't want to put my cart in front of my horse. But I'm assuming that there might be some more buckles at some point in the future, you know, <laughs> it, it, at least as a possibility. Because you know, if there's anything we've learned, uh, just from you, but also just from runners <laughs> in general, like like that slippery slope continues. There's there's no mm-hmm. end. There's no bottom to the to the slope. It just it just keeps going. It, it keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But but talking just for another minute on Javelina, from what I've heard from from folks that have done it, um, it's quite the uh, the party like atmosphere because it usually I believe it happens kind of right around Halloween and people tend to get mm-hmm. dressed up and whatnot. What was mm-hmm. what was your take on the the not not so much the the race, it's the the actual race itself, but the the environment, the race experience for your first hundred miler being being that type of party crazy atmosphere. Well, that was one of the reasons why I chose it because of that atmosphere. I wanted something that was going to be fun and, you know, people were really excited to be there, even if they weren't running there, you know, it's just, it just looked like a lot of fun. And um, when you're running five loops of 20 miles, you want something that's fun. <laughs> um it was really like the eight stations were the the volunteers that were there. Um, most of them throughout the race, they were dressed up. Um, the first aid station, I think the first crew of that um, were dressed up like football players. Um, then you go into the, the midpoint aid station, which is Jackass Junction. And that's just, you know, a party. <laughs> They're just having a lot of fun out there. Um, during the nighttime, they brought out the fireball mm. for shots. <laughs> Because um, because who doesn't want a shot after after sixty miles or whatever the number is at at three o'clock yeah, in the morning? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and my pacer, my pacer Mo, she um, I was sitting there, I was trying to eat a grilled cheese, and she brought over a shot, and she's like, "Here you go." And I'm like, I looked at her, I'm like, um, "This is either going to go one of two ways, and I'm not quite sure how it's going to go." But she's like, "Just do it, just trust me." And so I did it. I did the the shot, and um, 
luckily everything stayed down. Right. Um, I didn't have an adverse effect from it, but it definitely like made me feel woozy for a minute because I was slightly dehydrated at right. that point. But um, but yeah, I mean, not a lot of places have Fireball <laughs> at the at the aid station just for anyone to take. Um, and then you come back into the headquarters. And that's just a giant party because the way that the course is, um, you have to go run across the timing mat and along the, the course, everyone has their tent set up. Mm-hmm. So you're literally running through the the middle of the party right. <laughs> and everyone's cheering on you. And then that kind of gives you a nice little um, energy boost to be there and um, be around those people who are probably semi-drunk themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh there's lots of music and it's just really hyped up and that's it's a great way to come in when you're um when you're not feeling great just to come into that and like yeah okay i can keep going because this is this i'm getting some good good energy from this right right well again congratulations on that and uh you know it's kind of teased in the in the intro the 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 slippery slope is uh picking (laughs) up it's not slowing down like like you're picking up speed um again if my if my crack research skills are are to be believed um, you're getting, you're getting ready for a uh, Vol state, which is a 314 ish mile, 500 kilometer run across the, the great state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I mean, for lack That's of a right. way of asking the question, why in God's name are you doing something like that? <laughs> why do we ever do any of... <laughs> valid response, valid answer right. to that question. <laughs> like, um, I'm crazy. And I like, uh, like there's something, you know, ultra runners kind of like mm-hmm. are addicted to that, to that pain and suffering portion of it, I think. Um, I first learned about Vol State um, when I was working with Liza with Becoming Ultra. One of her clients was was doing it. I'm like, that just seems absurd. Why would anyone want to do that? That just sounds awful. And then, um, you know, famous last words. <laughs> then shoot to about a year, about a year ago, um, it came back into my, um, my orbit. And I'm like, you know what? I, I think I could do that. I think that's something I could do because it's yeah, it's 500 kilometers, but you have 10 days to complete it. So there's a, a good stretch of time and it's, and that's pretty doable, um, even for someone who's on the slower side. So um, I put my name into the lottery and my name got pulled, which is um, lucky or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm like, I, I think I can do this. And I, you know, I, re- I was reading about it and um it's one of the races that's put on by Laz, who also does mm-hmm. the Barkley. Um, so there's just a hint of, uh, you know, sadism in there <laughs> that he likes to um, put in there. But um, yeah, it just, it just seems like a really, you know, exciting journey. It's not, I mean, it's, it's a race, but it's not um, because it's not set up like a regular race where there's aid stations and a marked course and, you know, roads are shut down. It's literally, you are on the side of the road in Tennessee, um, making your way from the west side to the east side um they give you directions and say we'll see you at the finish and you have to make your way there so you you have to rely on yourself to to get you from point a to point b and all those you know points in between it's 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 scary it's it's terrifying but it's also really exciting and i'm um i'm excited to do it so the uh the 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 Maybe the most obvious question for anybody who knows anything about uh, Vol State, and I don't—I know barely enough, but I know enough to, to at least know this question: uh, crude or screwed? Uh, I'm signed up as crude, but I'm going to try to do it as as self-sufficiently as possible. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's hard. I mean you can 
I don't know anyone who's available for, for 10 days. Yeah. For 10 days. <laughs> and I'm hoping, I'm hoping to do it in, in six. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, and you don't know exactly where you're going to be on the course at any point. Right. I mean, you can have plans, but like in any race or in life in general, you know, you can have as many plans as you want. It doesn't necessarily mean that's going, what's going to happen. Um, and it's hard to tell someone like, I think I'm going to be here at this point and to have them just sit and wait, you know, in a parking lot for hours. Like, I don't know that that's necessarily something that a lot of people want to do. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm just, I'm going to try to do as much as I can on my own. Um, I have a sister who lives in Savannah, Georgia, who would, you know, come and help me if I needed it. And right. she's, she's already kind of marked the dates on her calendar <laughs> that she might need to be available. Be to on come. Call. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. She's, she's retired from the army. So um, she's just kind of, you know, working part time and doesn't have a whole lot of commitments right now. Cause she's you know, just kind of enjoying life. Um, so she, she could come if I absolutely needed someone to, to come help me, but I'm trying, I want to try and do it as much on my own as I can, because I think that it's going to be a, um, a, a real test of um, your resolve and your mental fortitude to, to persevere during this um, really hard journey. I mean, it's, it's Tennessee in July. It's going to be hot. It's going to be humid and um, you're on the side of the road. So that adds another level of um, complexity to it. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, you thought Minnesota in July was humid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Come to Tennessee. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be tough. (laughs) We, we we lived there for a couple of years when I was in grad school and, and yeah, like it's, it's, you know, it's, it it might not be next to water, but uh, the water is there in the air Mm -hmm. somehow, you know, so, uh, (laughs) but I learned a lot at Havelina to help manage, Mm -hmm. um, the heat. So I've, I learned, um, you know, ways to keep myself cool during times when it's really hot. So I'm going to try to employ some of those, those techniques during that, that time. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully lessons well learned and things will yes. go, go smoothly and, and certainly looking forward to, to kind of seeing how that goes and, and who knows what the, what the future holds, but maybe circling up and talking, talking about, uh, uh, Vol State at some point when yeah. it's in the rear view mirror again, because yeah. it's just, it's just such a, such a crazy, crazy event. Like you said, it's a LAS event. So of course it's going to yeah. be crazy, but um, mm-hmm. mad, mad props to anybody who does something that absurdly, ridiculously long yeah. distance, uh, <laughs> which is clearly what you're getting ready to do. So yeah. anyway, as we're, as we're getting close to, to wrapping up, Rebecca, and, and as is often the case, time's flying when we're having fun, but, um, one, one last question for you, kind of, uh, sure. outside of the, the majority of the conversation, I like to close with what I call a philosophical question, basically like the intro question, something open-ended, take it long, take it short, take it somewhere in the middle. Uh, but this is where we'll kind of put put the stamp on things for today. Um, would just, would just be curious, you know, at, at this point in, in your, in your life, in your running journey, you know, six, six ish years into it, getting ready for your first 300 mile <laughs> plus race. <laughs> um, why, why do you do it? Why has running become such an important thing for you that, that is part of your regular routine? Um, why, why do you run? I run because it makes me feel good mm-hmm. and, um, it's a reward as I'm, you know, kind of started off at the beginning, like running used to be a punishment. Now it's a reward. Um, I like that I have to rely on myself to do it. Um, and I like that. Um, I like the way I feel when I'm done. I'm, I've never regretted a run, even the ones where I've tripped and fallen and hurt myself. Like I've never regretted it. Um, and I, I want to live, be able to live with, you know, with not having, big regrets, like, you know, taking care of myself. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of things that run in my family, obesity, diabetes, heart disease. And, you know, this is one of my ways to manage, to manage that that doesn't, hopefully doesn't happen to me. And, you know, I want to be able to, to live a long life and be able to travel. And um, I think that running plays a big part in being able to take care of myself and, and just make myself feel good when, when sometimes life doesn't. Right. Well, many, uh, Many happy and healthy miles in your future, <laughs> not just not just this summer, but uh, yeah. well into the decades beyond. Uh, and y'all, if you want to continue to follow along both for this summer and for, you know, whatever the future might bring uh, on Instagram, <laughs> it's at Rebecca, not Becca. Again, R-E-B-E-C-C-A, not N-O-T, Becca, B-E-C-C-A. On Twitter, no, it's Stoy Rachel, which we didn't get into that story. We'll save that one for round two as well. Uh, but disruns.com slash 1056. Disruns.com slash 1056. We'll get you back to the show notes for today. Links, photos, the whole nine as per usual. So, uh, Rebecca, thank you for uh, for making the time today. Uh, hopefully it uh, wasn't too painful for you, but thanks for for, for <laughs> sharing some stories and, and, and going deep, especially with that, that post-race uh, kind of low period. I, I really do appreciate that. And uh, certainly wish you nothing but the best in Vol State and beyond. And again, thanks for the time today. Thank you. I, I had a lot of fun. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Rebecca and myself. And as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was your, uh, as it as it were, what was your takeaway du jour, du jour? Um, for me, there as as is almost always the case, there were several things that popped up. I had a, a full sticky note full of timestamps and things to to refresh back on and listening back through. I'm like, yep, that still counts. Yep, that still makes sense. Uh, but I'm going to go with one that's this maybe a little bit personal of late for me, and that is. Um, the, the idea of, of doing a better job, perhaps, maybe I'm reading through between the lines there, but doing a little bit better job of listening to our bodies. You know, Rebecca talked about that when she was training for her first 50K, climbing that ladder from a half marathon to a 50K, things were going well until all of a sudden her knees started giving her some grief, able to connect with the PT, get some work to, to get her through the race. And then since then, Things are typically pretty good, but every once in a while, she feels that little that little pain on the side of her knee. Reminds her that she needs to get back to doing some of those those PT exercises, some of the strength training, stretching, etc., what have you. And I I know for myself that uh, it's easy to neglect those things when things are going well, right? When when your training is going well, the body's feeling good. Um, I have a very easy time of just putting the little things to the back burner, just saying, Hey, you know, whatever. I don't need to, to foam roll today. I don't need to get on the yoga mat. Uh, I can stay up a little bit later playing some nonsense game or doing some Duolingo or just scrolling through social media, whatever. I don't need to get to bed on time or maybe even go a little bit early. And it's, you know, spoiler alert that has a tendency to catch up to you, but especially if slash when you're, you're doing more, right? You're adding more volume to the, to the, to, to your training routine. Maybe you're building up for a race. Maybe it's your first ultra. Maybe it's your first marathon. Maybe you're just getting back into marathon shape, whatever it might be. You're adding, you're adding more, more volume. You're increasing your mileage. Maybe you're adding some more speed work to the mix one way or the other. You're pushing your body more. And for me, that tends to mean that I'm doing less recovery work instead of more, which I should be doing because you know, things are going well. And of course I'm a little bit sore, but I'm, I'm working hard. I'm not paying attention to what my body's telling me. And 
when Rebecca was sharing that story and she was like, yeah, now anytime that I feel my knee a little bit, it's, it's that reminder. It's that little kick in the pants to, to get back on track with my, my prehab and my, my strengthening and my, my, you know, recovery work. It's like, oh yeah, I need to do a better job of that. You know, ideally just being proactive and making it a regular part of the routine anyway, which thankfully since these couple of injuries that I've been dealing with this year has, has become more part of the routine, but keep in mind as I get back into my full training mode and my mileage starts increasing again, when I'm stepping up the volume, I need to be not just maintaining the recovery work, but picking it up and certainly being sure to pay attention to my body. And if something's barking, if I got the itis is talking to me again, or my foot starts making, you know, some squeaky noises or whatever, some other part of the body, like pay attention and address it instead of just hoping it'll go away because it doesn't typically go away. So that was my takeaway. Maybe it's because it's timely dealing with some issues right now or have, have recently been dealing with some issues. Um, and maybe it's just good information that uh, I should be paying more attention to anytime. Listen to what my body's saying, Diz. Listen, listen to your body. Um, that was my takeaway. What about you? If you're willing to share it, I'd love to listen to it. I'd love to listen to you. Tell me about your takeaway. Uh, send me a, a DM, send me a message on Twitter, on Instagram, at DizRuns, both places. You can also send an email to DizRuns at gmail.com. And, of course, you can also head on over to the show notes for today, photos, links, the whole nine. And uh, right there at the bottom, DizRuns.com slash 1056, DizRuns.com slash 1056 is the comment section. Feel free to, to type out as many thoughts, as many feedbacks, as many takeaways from today's episode as your little heart desires and I will read them all and reply in kind. Uh, one way or the other, if you're willing to talk about this episode or any episode, I would love to hear it and engage in that conversation with you. One last time before we wrap things up today, kind of convenient that it worked out with the little things, and I promise this time it wasn't intentional. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I'm sneaky like that. This time, it's just a happy coincidence that uh, the Little Things course is the pseudo-sponsor for today. Dizruns.com slash things is the link. Again, it's entirely free. All kinds of videos, articles, information uh, to hopefully help you get on track with some of those other aspects of your training. Maybe step up your game a little bit in the other aspects of your training to keep you off the shelf, to keep you healthy, to keep you working towards your running goals, whatever they may be. Check it out, disruns.com slash little things. And with that, let's go ahead and wrap this one up, y'all. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for taking Rebecca and I with you today, wherever it was we went, whether we were out logging some miles, doing some chores around the house, running some errands, or just maxing and relaxing. I appreciate the time. Appreciate the attention. Until next time, y'all be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Later, y'all.